Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky, the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Welcome back to another episode of the Eagles Power Hour. This is kind of a, a special episode today. We got yours truly, both Kyler Neal and uh, Rusty Kramer on the podcast today. And uh, last night, uh, man, it was it was a game. It was good to see some Eastern Washington basketball. Uh, we're going to be breaking down that game last night, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Kyler Neal, you watched the game last night. What were your thoughts? Yeah, man, it was a it was a eventful night. I had the Tyson card on my laptop and the Eagles on the big screen. Um, yeah, I mean the game the game kind of went how I expected it to go once we got our roster uh, right before the game. You know, dur- due to COVID protocol, we did not suit up everyone. Didn't have all of our starters. We started hot. We were easily the more talented team from what I saw. Um, but when you're only playing six players compared to, you know, a normal rotation of 10 players, you're going to get tired in the second half. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mental errors. And I think that's what we saw. We saw, you know, WCU capitalize by letting some of their starters sit, letting them rest with their rotation. And Eastern didn't just, we just didn't have that luxury yesterday. And you saw the mistakes at the very end of the game. Um, and unfortunately that cost us. But overall, I mean, I think I saw a lot of, promise i think there was a lot more promise than there was negativity yeah so that was the interesting thing to me is as far as how eastern was going to be able to adjust and what i mean by that they had eight active players uh, due to covid19 protocol i believe they had one positive test and the others were just in close proximity uh, in close contact with that individual so that's why they had other individuals sit only six players saw action last night. Some notable names that did not play, Kassan Rouse and Ellis Magnuson, were both uh, out due to COVID-19. Uh, so going into the game, I-, I predicted before the news came out that, uh, that they're only going to have eight guys that Eastern was going to win. I thought looking at the roster, like you said, Eastern's more the more talented team. Um, I think they're just more polished team as well. Uh, even when the news came out, I still believed uh, Eastern had a really good shot at winning this game. And I think you're exactly right. Looking at the second half, that's really when the true test was going to come out. Uh, Eastern played exactly how I thought they were going to play in the first half. It was very interesting to me the adjustments that were going to be made, uh, not having Ellis Magnuson, not having Kassan Rouse to kind of change up the speed of the game, kind of push the tempo of the game. 
And also, uh, watching the Groves brothers, man, Tanner and Jacob, this was going to be a game where they're going to start getting, you know, major minutes. They're going to see major minutes all throughout the season. And uh, they absolutely performed. And WCU just came off a win uh, against Texan Southern. And Texas Southern's a good, solid team. But watching the Cougs, their previous game, they shot, I mean, they're a team that's going to force shots. Uh, they, they have no problem shooting anywhere on the court. They shot terribly against Texan Southern. And I thought that was going to continue. We're still really early on in the season. We still are not that far away from not having a great off season. So uh, even having a game under their belt, uh, I, I thought Eastern was still going to, you know, they still had a great opportunity uh, of getting a win here. So uh, looking at the first half, I mean, Eastern did an outstanding job. They led for the entire first half. Uh, they had the lead at, at halftime, 39-33. Were there any big takeaways looking at the first half? Um, the biggest takeaway I think was our ability, cause from what I saw and I don't have the stats in front of me, WCU looked like the longer team. Mm -hmm. They looked like they had more size. They looked like they had the longer, longer team, but we were out rebounding them from what I remember. Of course, you know, there were parts of that first half. I was still kind of watching the fights, um, because I was, I was trying to multitask and I'm a <laughs> dude, I'm really bad at multitasking. But from what I saw, it, it looked like we were actually out rebounding. We were out physically WSU, which um, when when a team, you know, a P5 team, let's even, WSU, it is what it is. They're a P5 team. They're not a great P5 team, but they're also not the worst P5 team. But they're a P5 team. They have the size. And I thought we were more physical with them. And then I also loved the way we were able to, you know, um, pass the ball. Uh, again, it showed why we were one of the leaders in assists last year. We were, mm -hmm. we were throwing the ball around all court, making WSU second guess, making WSU run. Um, and, and I really think... I mean, the first half, all the way up until even like the last two minutes when we started making mental mistakes, it just looked like Eastern Washington was the much more talented team, was the much more experienced team, was um, just the better overall team. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I really do think the only thing to take away from this game was I really wish we maybe didn't even have a full roster, but 80% um, of a roster. Yeah, right. I mean, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, my man. It's... Like immediately jumping into the game, uh, Eastern jumped out to a 16-3 lead. Uh, Jacob Davidson took two charges. I mean, they were clicking on both sides of the ball. And you're right, Eastern at the half was leading in rebounds 22 to 20 versus a, you know a longer, uh, a lanky team. I mean, just size wise, I mean WSU absolutely had the size. Eastern shooting mm -hmm. percentage was shooting 46 percent at the half. The Cougs were shooting 34 uh, percent. Turnovers though, Eastern had 11 turnovers in the first half, and WSU had six. However, Eastern uh, made 11 points out of those turnovers turnovers that the Cougs were having so I mean they were being very efficient with what they were being given um, but that being said I mean going in the second half uh, it just kind of came to the point in my opinion and uh, you would it sounds like you would agree is are that where the, the Eastern Eagles going to be able to maintain the pace that they had throughout the first half and uh, it was kind of a you know a back and forth game all throughout the second half that we saw I mean the biggest lead at any time in the second half was six points and that was by Eastern um, I believe with about four minutes left in the game, that's when uh, the Cougs started, you know, taking the lead and whatnot. Noah, Noah Williams hit two uh, huge three points with five minutes to go to give WSU the lead. He had 10 of the Cougs, 16 points down the stretch. Uh, so, I mean, that's absolutely huge. So the Cougs had a four-point lead with 
44 seconds left in the game. Uh, Jacob Davison hit an absolutely huge three to get the game within one. And Can then, we also talk about his bank shot? Yeah, that's... <laughs> that was that was a thing of beauty that reminded me back in the day. It was a battle in Seattle. It was Gonzaga versus Oklahoma State. You know, of course, it wasn't the last three seconds of the game. But when Adam Morrison hit that bank three, that was almost identical. It was the opposite side of the court. But that thing was a shot of beauty when he... When it launched from his fingers, I was like, oh, man, he, he's going to airball that. I, I thought he missed that shot completely, and it was like the largest bank. It was on the top of the backboard, just dropped right in. I just thought that thing was a, a thing of beauty, and I, I wanted to give a little credit. Yeah, well, and, well, staying on Jacob Davis in here for a moment, I mean, he finished the game with 12 points, uh, and this was a guy who was in foul trouble pretty much in the entire game, and uh, listening to the game or watching the game, uh, I mean, Dan Dickow brought up a good point. I mean, it's just you're down guys. You have eight guys, you know, active, six guys played, right, including Jacob Davison. I mean, you have to be, I mean, I'm sure he would he would admit it as well. It's just they're going to try to egg you. I mean, the, the officiating crew was calling some ticky-tack fouls throughout the game. So it just you have to be smarter when it comes to uh, some decision-making on the courts, especially when – we're coming down the crunch time. Uh, Ku's got the lead, or we got you know a lead by two. It's just making smarter decisions uh, on the court. And again, this is the first game of the season, but I mean that I think with Jacob Davison uh, being in foul trouble the majority of the game, I mean some other Eastern Eagles were able to step up and fill the void. So I think that speaks a lot about the team. You know that being said, though, I mean Kim Aiken Jr. The Eagles had the opportunity to put the game away uh, with the final possession of the game. Eastern Eagles were down one point. Uh, then we saw Kim Aiken Jr. back down Noah Williams, and Noah Williams uh, took a little bit of contact. By no means, uh, in my opinion, uh, did I think it was a foul by any means. He wasn't in a scoring position. He wasn't in an advanced position by any means. And I will say, it's it, when it comes to officiating, uh, when you're coming down to the the final you know seconds of a game where a possession really truly does matter, it is shameful uh, and absolutely uh, terrible to see officiating crew to take the game in their hands. If it was something egregious, something you know like obvious, yes, I would I would bite on that. But Kim Aiken Jr. was literally backing uh, the Coug down uh, into the paint, and that's where we saw the foul. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, we were down by one at that point. Um, that was such a ticky-tacky foul call. And in, I, I hate when we talk about refs and, and calls and like, oh, that that could have changed the outcome of the game. And, you know, 99% of the time it's because you didn't do something right the first 50 minutes of the game. And, and that's why uh, a call like that, you know, um, that's that's why I hate calling out calls like that. But, dude, the last two minutes of – or what was it, two seconds of the game? The last two seconds of the game – you, I don't even know if I'd call that even a slight push-off. He literally just put his hand near the dude's body and maybe the fingertips touched. You know, it was it was such a ticky-tack call, especially, you know, the last two seconds of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not a fan of it. Uh, but overall, I mean, I still think we showed tons of potential. Where we played at the speed we like to play. Uh, and when you're only playing six players, that is going to hurt you. I, I think, you know, the, the mistakes we made in the last two minutes was more important than, or the turnovers we even made in the last two minutes were more important than, you know, the officiating at that last two seconds. But yeah, I am not a fan of 
um, that offensive foul. I don't think that was an offensive foul. The commentators didn't think that was an offensive foul, and it was unfortunate that that stole the game away. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I, I always say, I mean, it's. You should never let it get to that point uh, where the opponent has the lead. But I will say this. The Eagles had the lead for 39 minutes and 33 seconds of the game. The Cougs led for four minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, yep. it, it, I don't know. It, it's absolutely shameful. It was terrible by the officiating crew, but the result is the result. It is what it is, uh, unfortunately. It doesn't matter. No one At the end of the season, no one's going to remember, well, we, we should have won that game, or oh, we, we're in a position to win that game. It counts as a loss. That's just the reality of it. And... Uh, with that being said, there were a lot of good things to pull away from this game. And going into the game, one of the big things um, uh, I was looking into is the Groves brothers, man. Jacob Groves and Tanner Groves, they're going to see good. a huge increase in minutes, not only this game, throughout the entire season. Uh, T Jacob Groves had 16 points, 8 rebounds. Tanner Groves had 17 points, 9 rebounds. Not afraid to launch it from 3-point land. They combined for 34 points and 17 rebounds. They, I mean, they looked absolutely, you know, outstanding. Uh, Tanner Groves, I mean, both the brothers, but they played absolutely smart. And that was a concern of mine is throughout the game is uh, they couldn't get in foul trouble. They had, not I mean, no real choice. I mean, uh, the only other guy that was rotating in the game was Michael Meadows, right? So. Yep. If Tanner Groves or Jacob Groves got into foul trouble, that was going to hurt the Eastern not only on the offensive side of the ball because they were producing there, but also on the defensive side of the ball. And also, I mean, Kim Aiken Jr., man, he's back to his old self. Uh, he had 14 points, 8 rebounds. I mean, he was averaging throughout the season, last season, uh, a double-double. Uh, it looks like he's going to get right back to where he was before. But Shantae Leggins said it best, man. I mean, there was mo no moral victories here. I mean, it the loss right. is a loss. They came to compete, but uh, unfortunately, it was not enough. So, Yeah, this just is going to paint a picture on how this season is going to go. Um, there's going to be teams that are going to be in the same situation that Eastern was in mm -hmm. due to you know COVID protocols. Um, I, I guess the, the moral victory would be we got this out of the way soon. We at least know how to prep. Um, if this does happen again, maybe we do slow down the pace, the tempo for a little bit, uh, just to get our guys some, some room to breathe, but this is going to happen to other teams. Um, I'm glad we were able to showcase what we could do with six players against a pac 12, you know, regional rival. Um, I, I thought overall Eastern looked good and I think we should control the big sky. Yeah, I, I think going into the season, uh, Eastern should feel very confident. Um, uh, there's no doubt in you know any of their minds that uh, they were absolutely competing last night. They were absolutely going to get the W last night. That was the intent, and they were uh, definitely worth competing against last night. So it's exciting to see. I'm excited to see Eastern throughout the season, and you're exactly right. I mean, there's going to be times throughout the season, not only for Eastern Eagle, you know, Eastern Eagles, but uh, other teams in the big sky, other collegiate uh, programs where they're going to have – COVID-19 issues, that's just the reality that, it, you know, the world we're living in right now, and you're going to have to be able to adapt and overcome. And I think that really speaks to uh, Eastern's uh, ability to, you know, build up their guys from, you know, Jacob Davis and Tanner, I'm sorry, Jacob Groves and Tanner Groves last season, not seeing a, it, as many minutes as we're going to see this season. And, I mean, and we're just watching the growth of those players. And now looking at the next couple of games, we just had the Montana Tech game, which was going to be uh, tomorrow, November 30th. That game was canceled. Uh, the next game 
slated as now December 9th against UNLV because NAU was rescheduled. So our next opponent will be uh, UNLV December 9th, and uh, we will break down that game, uh, give you guys what to look out for, what to watch, and have uh, a coach's breakdown as well to talk up that game as well. So, uh, you know, hey, Kyler, do you got any other thoughts on the game from last night? No, I don't. I'm just looking forward. You know, it was, it was good finally seeing some Eastern Washington athletics. It's been way too long since we've seen any Eastern sport. So I was happy we got to see the sport. I was pretty happy with how we performed for most of the game. Um, I think this showed a lot of potential. I'm excited for the season. I, th I think we'll repeat as Big Sky champs. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very competitive season. I'm excited to watch some more Eastern basketball. And if I will say this, if you're listening and you can't watch the game, you could always listen to the game. Listen to the, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Larry Weir himself. I mean, he, he calls the game like nobody else. So uh, if you can't watch the game, you can always listen to the game. There's a, there's other basketball in town besides uh, Gonzaga, who's playing well, uh, you know, playing really well as well. But, uh, you know, Eastern Eagles are going to have a hell of a season this year and they're going to be a team to watch. So with that being said, you know, that is it from the Eagles Power Hour. We appreciate you listening. We just wanted to give you guys a quick breakdown, our thoughts of the game last night. Uh, we're going to have more episodes for you uh, next week. Uh, just, hey, stay tuned. Go Eags. Go Eags.